0: Hey, I'm Brandon. And I'm Hannah, and we're the pastors at New Community Church. Yeah, and it's our hope that this message inspires you to take your next steps in your faith journey with Jesus. Thanks for joining us today, and enjoy the message. Come on, one more time for Jesus. Put your hands together in the room. Come on, with all you got this morning. Man, I love it. Um, we are so glad you're here. Um, uh, and just, uh, I know we've been singing together, but just, it's great to take a take a minute to take the guitar off and just smile at you. And um, man, my heart's just so full. Uh, we, we just being here. Uh, if you're if you are new new code, we're we're not even two years old yet. Uh, we've been at this location uh, for just, uh, you know, I say about 18 months, but I've been saying that for like three months, so you you do the math. But um, it's been great, and just to see the people that just are in our hearts, man, what an honor. Love what we're doing. Hey guys, we are coming up. We are four weeks away from our second ever Easter at New Community. Come on, can you put your hands together for that? We love that and um, I'll tell you we are just um, that's always an exciting week for us. I mean that is uh, our Super Bowl. Uh, we love that uh, love just celebrating what the resurrection means and helping people really find a fresh faith and a fresh next step with Jesus. In fact, we're taking some time. Uh, we've been already planning this uh, this spring or this winter, but we are continuing to do that to make sure, that we're ready. And we really uh, want to make sure you know how you can plan and prepare. In fact, we're going to talk about three ways you can make the most out of your Easter. And uh, So you see there, it's Sunday at, on the 17th. We are going to have both our uh, uh, service at both locations. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, we have we do uh, Sunday nights at 6 p.m. at the Ashland Theater. And so for you, if you guys are, if you're doing uh, Easter lunch with your family, maybe the, the evening service would be better. You're welcome to just know that. And in fact, we will, what we'll do is in a few weeks, you'll get an, uh, uh, an email or you'll get notified. You can see you can register your seat in both those locations uh, and just save your seats and register your kids early uh, just to make sure you get the best experience. So I wanna talk though real quick uh, today, just three ways you can make the best, uh, best and really experience the best for Easter. Number one is plan. Uh, we talk about this, but we, we just, we are planning. I, I mentioned that. We are really working hard to make sure that the entire day is one message of hope, uh, it's a clear message of hope, but it also, there will be clear opportunities for everyone who comes here uh, to have a chance to identify their next step and have the chance to make that next step with Jesus and in their journey with Jesus. And so uh, we just believe that that's what we're doing. We want to invite you, though, to do this. And I, we say it, we said it last year. It's actually our first time to ever say it, but we're going to say it all the time. We, if we want you to plan to experience Easter with a guest. If you've never experienced an Easter Sunday, sitting next to your neighbor or your brother-in-law or your friend, your coworker, somebody you work out with, uh, and just being in that space, worshiping Jesus there, praying there, taking your next step right next to them, and that will make an Easter you'll never forget. And so uh, one of the things we know is just Easter is a time people are more willing to... to come to church, right? Uh, they might be willing to do that. In fact, uh, some would say they're eight times more likely to say yes to your personal invite to come to Easter. And what we say is we don't shame people for that. We don't uh, like, you know, we're, that's not a negative to us. We want to make the most of every opportunity, not just to connect someone to a church. This is about new community. This is about connecting someone to Jesus, and his heart for them, and his love for them, and so we want to invite you to plan for that. Start talking about that as a family. Start talking around about that. Who who can you uh, invite? Who can we bring? Challenge some of you. You guys have. Uh, you guys could just fill up a row here. So just fill it up. Um, and again, not for our sake, but for, for the sake of the ones who uh, are in our lives that they could really meet with Jesus. And so we want you to plan. Number two, we want you to pray. Pray with us. You know, we can, we can put on a great, uh, a great program. We can put on a great event. We can move people emotionally, but only one being in the whole universe can move us eternally, and that is God, our Heavenly Father. And, and prayer is how we tap into that. Prayer is really what we believe. We're believing that that day changes eternity. For families, for generations, and so we're believing also that that day we would ha- it would be our highest day ever of uh, in the in the two year history or less than two year history of New Community to see someone say yes to Jesus for the first time. So would you just pray with us? Would you right be a, just pray that uh, with us for the next four weeks? And uh, let's just believe that God's going to do it. That's good. To say bueno. bueno. Come on. And number three is participate. Uh, just from the way you worship, we're going to do something we've done in the we did last year. Uh, and we're going to tell you, actually, next week, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do with it. Uh, but we're going to do an Easter survey with uh, those who come, giving everybody a chance to kind of mark and identify their step with Jesus. Uh, we're also going to just, you know, we're, we're just, we have a, a great opportunity to host. Uh, Easter is going to be a bigger Sunday. We have about 80 opportunities to serve on Easter Sunday, between the morning and the evening, and so if you've never served uh, with our Dream Team or been a part of that, but but you want to do what we call a first serve, it's a one time thing. We're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna get signed up for the rest of your life or anything. But if you're like, hey, I'd be happy to jump in on Easter and jump in, uh, make a great experience for our kids or make a great Easter. Maybe you want to come to one service and then serve another. You're welcome to do that. And so if you've got that connection card you received when you walked in, it was in your bulletin. We invite you, fill that out. You'll get a chance to uh, scan the QR code and access that digital one. But we're looking for some first serves and uh, really just for you to be a part. It's an awesome way to experience Easter and really make it the most. And so I hope you guys are ready. I hope we're ready for what's to come. And uh, we cannot wait, I'll tell you that. We cannot wait for what God's gonna do. So that is how we get ready for Easter. And uh, we'll share a little bit more next week about some things we're going to be doing to just continue to bless our community as we get ready for that. Well, hey, we are in week four of this series on unity. Uh, put your hands together. Has this been helpful? Has this been a good series for you? Just been speaking? Love it. Uh, I agree. I think this has just been something. It's, it's been great for my life, great for our family and our home. And the reason we're doing this series on unity is because we just know it. You know it too. It just seems like our world is more divided than ever. Uh, And that unity is something that we need. It just feels like the world is more divided than ever. And, And part of what's so shocking about what's gone on in the past two years is not just what we've had to go through and what we've experienced, but really how we've responded to it, right? Like there's a new normal that we've drifted to that might not be so good. A new normal of just being criticizing and negative and just toxic you know, just toxic complaining um, and and doing it in public, not necessarily one on one. There's been a just a new normal of canceling, a new normal of shaming and, and of judgment that has happened uh, across our culture. In fact, one of the one of the social media apps right now that's on the rise, especially on college campuses, is an app called Yik Yak, um, and so. Um, If you haven't heard of it, uh, don't worry. I didn't hear about it until about uh, Monday. And I was actually having coffee with a uh, Randolph-Macon student. We were just talking about his faith journey and what, what God was doing on campus. But he brought up this app. And if you're unfamiliar, what it does is it allows you to post anything anonymously. So you, there's words they block, but if, if you're smart enough, you can work around that. You can basically post whatever you want anonymously, and you don't actually friend someone on Yik Yak. What happens is whatever people are posting within a five-mile radius of your phone, that's what shows up on your feed. And so what's that, what that has done is it's created these really tight-knit little pockets of gossip, that take place especially on college campuses and it's incredible the amount of negativity the amount of bullying that happens on there i mean you can imagine the things that are said if there's no accountability nobody knows who you are people are saying some awful awful things they're just and it's just toxic it's it's been toxic on that and and, you know that's just one expression of what's been happening in our culture of what's going on the way we're responding to what we're experiencing. But can I just be honest? Again, you know this, I know this. It's not just happening in our culture, it's happening in our churches, right? Some of that toxicity has filtered into our churches, it's filtered into our homes, it's filtered into our marriages. I mean, some of you, my family has gone through things this year that we've never gone through, just relational tension. I'm like, what is happening? Like, it's just, it's, it's just filtering in, and there's something happening to us and how not just what we're experiencing but how we're responding to that and that's why God wants us I mean I'm telling you God wants us to live in unity he doesn't want us to live in division he wants us to live in unity I I, and I think when I think about what we see, and we're, we're trying to do a lot, right? I'll be honest, the problem is not how many apps we have out there or whether or not we should cancel Yik Yak or not. The problem is not how many policies we should pass in our corporations or our businesses or how many laws we should pass as a nation. I don't think that external things are gonna change how we're responding. I think it's an internal problem. Let me say it this way. I think it's not an issue of what's out there. I think it's an issue of what's in me and what may be in you, and it's a heart issue. And that's something only God can change, right? That's something only God can change. That's something that only he can speak to, to really transform our hearts. And that's that's what this series is about. In fact, if you see division in your relationships, if you see division in your marriage, or you see division in your home, or you see division at work in your team, I just believe, I, I'm a firm believer that if there's division in my life, that is, that's a clear indication and a sign to me that there's something here I need to, to address. There's something here that's like, okay, God, before I go there, I, I, need to, I need to just say, God, is there anything in my heart, anything in my heart, that you want to speak to. And that's really what this whole series has been about. It's it's about what are the kind of core commitments, the values in my heart, values in your heart that we're going to commit to in order that we can experience unity. Division really is just an expression of bondage, an expression of brokenness, but unity is an expression of God's freedom in our relationships. And that's what he wants. In fact, Jesus to according to Jesus and according to the New Testament... Unity is not something just to be expected. It's not something just to be hoped for. It's something to be experienced, to be what we live in every single day and every moment and that we can find unity in our relationships. So that's kind of the heartbeat of this series. And today, the the commitment, the common commitment we're going to talk about, the the individual commitment that has a collective impact, that is the commitment that I think is, is probably most missing in our culture, but one that is absolutely one of the most important ones in our New Testament, and it's the commitment of honor, of honor. In fact, I'm fully convinced, and I hope by the end of today you are too, that unity is impossible without a commitment to honor. Unity is impossible. And if you fall asleep from here on out, that's fine, as long as you just hold on to that one thing one thing to know. But honestly, uh, it is one of the richest themes throughout the New Testament of our Bible and it is something that Jesus talked about It's something that Jesus modeled, something that we, uh, that is focused on over and over again. But this is one where I want us to focus in today is just one passage, just one place where the Apostle Paul writes on this issue of, of unity. And what I love, he writes, excuse me, he, he ties the issue of unity and honor together so well in this passage. And that's why I want us to land there, because I think there's something that we, you and I can both receive if we'll say yes to honor, something God wants to do. And I, I hope that today you will discover what that really looks like, because what Paul addresses is that honor is not just an issue of how we treat people, honor is an issue of how we see people. And that's really what today's passage will point to. And So I'm hoping you'll kind of be able to let God change how you see people in your heart, but also allow him to practically lead you in how to treat people in your relationship. So that's where we're going to go. And, and, and if I can just say, man, uh, you know, if we're going to be different, if we're going to respond different to everything that's going on that our world is in, that mean, responding, that means we've got to live contrary to our culture in some ways. And, and if, if I can just speak to the Jesus follower in the room, we are called to live different. We're called to live with different commitments. And if you're not a Jesus follower, maybe you're just checking this thing out, or you've, you know, you're familiar with church, or you're okay with that, or you're just here so your kids can get good morals or whatever that looks like, can I just say I do believe that today's message, I think it really will help you and it'll help your relationships if you'll lean, lean into this commitment of honor and really allow God to lead you in that. So that's where we're going. And I'm excited about this passage. It's gonna be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you've got your Bibles or you wanna open your phone, you can click there. But here's the thing, especially for those of you who grew up in church like me, this is a familiar passage to many of us. I think it's something that we've heard many times, but I'm telling you, it is so rich and deep. Do not settle for what you learned in Sunday school when you were seven years old about this, because there is so much more God has for you when you look at this passage. Uh, First off, you just got to know this about Paul. Paul's writing this letter to a group of Christians in a city called Corinth. And um, they were like, this city, man these people were for the first time in the room together and they had never been in a room like that together. I mean, if you think our culture is divisive, uh, Corinth was in a whole nother level. I mean, it was their culture that day. If you weren't born to the right family, if you weren't born in the right class, if you weren't born as a male, then you were just wrong. Like that was it. You had to hit those three. And if you didn't, then you were out. Like you, you could not advance. There was no way to climb above. There were no scholarships. I mean, it was just you're done and there's no way to escape kind of a hopeless situation and people live like that in Corinth for i mean years years decades generations i mean just it's just how it was and people just kind of accepted that and then Jesus comes along and Jesus comes along with this incredible message that levels the playing field for everyone And these people begin trusting in the good news, the gospel of Jesus. They begin experiencing his love, and then they find themselves in the same room together for the first time trying to figure out how to relate to each other. I mean, Jews and Greeks, people who were slaves, people who owned slaves, people, men, women, and children, everybody's welcome, has a seat at the table. That was a first. That was not normal. And they were sitting in this room. They were sitting at home saying, How are we going to do this? How are we going to really live different than how it's always been done out there? And Paul writes this letter, and he kind of gives a metaphor to help people understand what God's heart is for our relationships. And here's how Paul begins. He says, listen, the human body has many parts, but the many parts all make up one whole body. And so it is with the body of Christ. Let me say it this way. So it is with your relationships with everyone else in the body of Christ. Our bodies have many parts. Our relationship, there's many parts to them, but God has put each part just where he wants it. And Paul just begins saying, hey, you know what? If you're going to really follow Jesus, you've got to see that your life and your relationships, you are just part of a whole that God is doing. You're just a little part of something, and you've got a part to play, but so does everyone else around you. And every part is important. Every part, really the word used here is arranged. It's set specifically, strategically. God has put his part where he wants it. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm messing with this ear. I know it's... I just want to make sure you can hear me. Is that okay? Just... And so then Paul kind of describes, and he... He kind of lays out, hey, every part has its whole, but I need to address two ways you can see people. And I'm gonna read through the the rest of this passage. We're gonna kind of touch a few parts. And what we're gonna see is what Paul speaks first to how we see people. And then we'll come back at the end and, and tease out what it says about how we treat people. So first, just lean into what Paul's saying. He begins to speak about what, how we can view the different parts in our body. He says, listen, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Let me just help us out, maybe contextualize it for us. Because the conservative cannot say to the liberal in the room, I don't need you. And the liberal can't say to the conservative, I don't need you. And the the, the parent can't say to the child, I don't need you. And the man can't say to the woman, I don't need you. And the woman can't say to the man, I don't need you. And the rich can't say to the poor. The educated can't say to the uneducated. You can't say, I don't need you, because God's arranged every part just as He wants it when it comes to my relationships. On the contrary, those parts of the body of Christ that may seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. That's a view. That's how you see someone. They are indispensable. And the parts that we think should be worthy of less honorable, we actually reverse it and we flip it to treat them with more Honor, special honor. Actually, he uses a word that means the highest level. All this that Paul addresses, he's talking about how we see someone. He's not really talking about how we treat them yet. He's just addressing how we see someone. And what he's trying to get across to us is this, is that the way we see someone, we have two options. We can either dishonor them or we can honor them. Really, when it says you can treat them as less honorable, it's one word. It's you can dishonor it's that black and white for Paul. It's that black and white for God is that we can do these, like we've got one or two options. And to dishonor someone is, is really the definition is to treat them as ordinary and common, to see them as not holding much weight. It's to treat them as light and, and just kind of treat them lightly in general. But to honor someone is actually to esteem as valuable to esteem as worthy. To value someone is to treat them as they are weighted, that there's a weight to them. In fact, let me say it this way. Honor honor elevates someone. It adds value to them, but dishonor depreciates the value. Dishonor depreciates the value in that person. And while you and I might, have, might live in a culture where this is a little bit more relevant, can I just give you a little insight, this whole point right here, this whole idea, this theology, this belief system, this core value, that was a core value introduced into our world by Jesus. The whole idea that every person you look eye to eye at has intrinsic value, That's not that did not come from the world, that came from the Son of God who spoke that every person, man, woman, and child, every human being has value, that God has arranged every part, that God has combined the members of the body, and he has given, look at this, he has given greater honor to the part selected. The honor we give someone isn't because we see it, it's because God sees it. It's because God has given each part, each person, honor. Now that is deep. Right there. Come on. That's good. Put your hands together and say bueno. <laughs> that was the drunkest bueno I've ever heard. I don't know if I can say that in church, but... <laughs> what is in that Duncan's coffee that we got? Anyways. Is that too far? I don't, I don't know if everyone's coming back. Okay. Spring forward. Move on. Move on, Brandon. Okay, settle in, take two. I just need to say that again. This whole idea of elevating someone in honor, it's because of how God views them. Yeah, keep this scripture up for for a minute. Because I think what's so important and what's so powerful about this passage is that um, the Apostle Paul, but ultimately God, he knows something about you and me and our tendencies. We have a tendency to dishonor someone If they don't think like us, if they don't do things like us, if they don't see things like us, if they aren't where we're from, he knows that we just have a tendency. It's a human tendency to kind of depreciate someone instead of elevating someone and choosing to see the honor that God has already placed on them. And here's the reason. See, really, God did, has a purpose in that. There's a reason why God sees and, and believes. I mean, we talk about it all the time, but there's a reason why God believes. Every person has a unique design, a purpose, an intention. His purpose is so that there would be no division. One of the things God did so that you and I could experience real unity, not just dream about it, but experience it, was he, he put honor. He made people worthy of honor just because of who they are. They're created in the image of God and they have a purpose and a design and a destiny. And that's why they're worthy. And that's what allows us to have unity is when we will say yes to that and choose to see people from a position of honor. God combined the members of the body and he gave, has given greater honor to the parts, even the parts that you think have lacked it so that there could be no division in the body. Here's the next thing. But so that its parts should have equal concern for each other. I'm going to come back to that. But I just want you to see that right here, I feel like Paul put his pen down as he was writing this. And he just kind of looked every Jesus follower in the eye. And he said, now. Now. Go ahead and move to that next part. Now. I oh, know, keep moving. Keep moving you are the body of Christ. Paul kind of puts this this period down and he says, okay, the old way of treating people, the old way of seeing people, that's over. Now, you are part of the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. Each one of you play a role. Each one of you have value. And each one of you have an opportunity to participate in the whole that God wants to do through the us, yes, through the body. Now, it's time to change. And it's time to see people with honor. But I love it. If you, as you look at this passage, I also believe that we can find three ways, three ways that we can begin treating people with honor and really flip not just what we believe, but also begin to change how we treat people others. And I just want to finish today focusing on that. Three ways that you can really truly live out honor in your relationships. And this is true for the church. This is true for your company. This is true for your home with your best friend. I want you to consider all those things and really maybe you're not going to apply all three. Maybe today it's not about all three, but maybe there's just one that God wants to kind of speak to you about and kind of push into your heart and say, hey, just start walking this out. I just want to invite you to find that next step, start following Jesus. Let's look at these first three. Here's the first one. I honor people with my prayers. I honor people with my prayers. You know, as I said, this whole issue, this whole conversation in this passage, it's not the the, the issue of division and, and the issue of how we see other people. That's a heart issue that only God can change. And that's where prayer comes into this because prayer does not change God Prayer rarely changes other people, but prayer does change me. And prayer can change you. And when, if we really want God to, in, to invite God into our hearts and invite God into how we see people... We've got to begin in prayer. We've got to begin praying over our relationships in such a way that we say, God, help me see the honor and the value you've already placed on them. Help me begin to see and understand the value that you hold in them. God, change the way I see. Change the way I respond. Change the way I I see them. Change the way I'm responding as a part of the whole. Help me see what you see. And that's the prayers you begin to pray. And then you begin to pray prayers like this. God, would you begin to bless that person? Would you you begin to pray these prayers of elevation? God, would you raise them up? Would you bring those gifts to life inside of them? That design, would you help them experience it? Even if it's dormant, God, I pray that you would bring that into life. And I just believe that if we're gonna begin to change how we as a new community are going to view the world and view the ones around us, it's got to begin in prayer. It's got to begin in prayer. I was talking to someone at uh, our church. He's actually, they're part of the Ashland campus. He's on the lead team there. And he was telling me about what God had done through, through just his commitment to pray. He's on a sales team at work, and their sales team for the last few months has not hit their quotas uh, and there's just been a number of things. I'm sure you can imagine it's got, made things divisive. It's made things kind of, there's there's a lot of isolation and pulling away versus working together. There's a little bit of, of kind of backstabbing, a there's just It's just become a negative environment. In fact, other teams in their industry, other teams at their organization have decided to start kind of distancing themselves from that. You know, they're like, well, I'm not going to work there. I'm not going to push in there. And, uh, and so this, this guy, he's on our lead team. He just, you know, he has about a 30 minute drive to work. And he said, you know what? I just felt like God said I needed to pray for him and I needed to use my drives to start praying. So that's what he did. He started every Monday through Friday. He was like, all right, I'm going to start praying for my team every time I drive in. And when he first uh, began, he got into his car and he said, okay, God, how do I pray? He said, I just want you to bless your team. And he was like, yeah, but there's a lot we need. He says, I just want you to bless your team. And so He started speaking God's blessing over those people that they would hit their quotas. He wasn't hitting his own and he was praying for them. He started praying blessing over his boss. He started praying blessing over the ones he was competing with. He began to pray God's blessing over those relationships. And after, it wasn't too long before actually they began hitting their quotas. It wasn't too long before actually attitudes started changing. As I said, this team member, he was not hitting his own quotas and he would make a sale and see someone else struggling and he'd give them the sale. And his boss came and said, hey, why are you doing that? That's not how we do things here. And he said, no, I just got to bless I've just been told i got to bless. And, And it began to change the culture. It began to change the environment of the team. Not because they were corrected. Not because he ever challenged the way someone was doing things. He just began to honor them in his prayers and ask for God's blessing. Man, come on, new community. What could God do in your most challenging relationship if you just began to pray and bless them and speak God's best over their lives? Come on, that's what it looks like to honor someone. And I believe that God could do that. I believe without you ever saying a word, God could begin to work and move. That team he shared just Sunday night with me, how that team has actually been more unified today more than it's ever been in a the life there. Come on, isn't God good? Can't he do it? He can do it, and he can do it with you. He can do it in your relationships as we begin in prayer, and we choose to honor people with our prayers. Here's the next one. Just want to encourage you with and challenge you with, I honor people, and I honor with my words. I honor with my words. There was a verse that I accidentally skipped at the end, but it taught, Paul said this, hey, here's how the body's supposed to work with no division. Here's how the body's supposed to work. It's supposed to be something that God set up so that every part's doing something for the whole, and if one part suffers, every part suffers, and if one part is celebrated and honored, man, everybody celebrates. I believe that's this word is that we choose to honor others with our words, that when we see something, we say something. When we recognize value, we begin to speak that value. When we see what God has put inside of them, we begin to speak it into into being, even if it's not there already. And I believe that as we do that, God can begin to change our relationships and change the expression of freedom and unity there. I was, uh, on a team a number of years ago uh, that uh, we were doing some work together and there was a girl on our team and if I can just be honest with you, I did not like her. Like I I thought she was kind of annoying and I thought I was not. And so um, (laughs) I'm just being honest if that's okay. Uh, But honestly, here's what I saw. She had gotten a position on that team because of who she knew, not because of what she could do. And I thought that her being on the team was actually hurting us I thought it was actually damaging our potential and our success, and I struggled. And I was, I was in no, I had no position of authority at that time. I was just, you know, just like everybody else. I was just kind of riding on the team. And so, uh, but here's what I did. My heart was very judgmental, and I would just constantly see everything she did wrong and just kind of cross my arms, like, man, why is she here? How did you get here, and why don't you just leave? I mean, I know it sounds bad, but you've been there. Come on. Uh, so. I just had this thing, and God really convicted that heart in me, heart of judgment, and and, and God just began to say, hey, I want you to begin to speak what you see, what I see in her. And so I just kind of swallowed my pride, and I began to do that. We'd have kind of our debrief times as a team, and I would speak up, and I would say, hey, God, what do you see? And how can I just kind of speak to that? And so uh, he would he he would show me things. I say, hey, you know what? You are Catherine. You are actually incredibly positive. And when you come into our room, it just raises the bar of everybody. You know, Catherine, you have an ability to do things uh, to kind of be the first one out. Like some of us will be hesitant and be pulled back, and you have courage that actually calls. Uh, you up. You, You know, it's awesome, Catherine, that you actually, there's something you do that you just light up the room when you're here. And if we didn't have you in that meeting, if we did not have you in that setting, we would not have had the opportunities that you brought us. We would not. Man, I remember the day I said that we wouldn't have had the opportunity. We wouldn't have made that, had that chance if it wasn't for you. And can I tell you, Catherine never changed. But I did. Because I began to see that actually God had already put his honor on her. And our team didn't need Catherine to change. Our team needed me to change. To see that, man, man, she's got value. Have you ever been around someone who just lives like that. Here's what this is about. Here's really the statement of this. It's it's about switching the way that you behave, switching your behavior from, hey, I'm going to make everyone a fan of me, to say, no, I'm going to become a fan of everyone around me. It's that switch. And if you've ever been around that kind of person, I'm not talking about the person who doles out fake compliments that's, that's not what any of us want or need, and we can all see right through that. I'm talking about the ones. Have you ever been around someone who truly believes in everyone around them? Like, they are just, like, you leave, and you're like, man, I feel like I'm six foot four. Like, this is incredible, y'all. That's an issue for me. But anyways, I think there's a, there, I, I just, this is, I love being around them. They are elevating me. They are calling me up. I think that's what God designed and what he wanted to take place when we were together. Man, what could it what could happen? God could it be so if we made the commitment to honor. Is that helpful? Is that good? So I honor with my prayers, I honor with my words, and I want to show you this third one. In that passage we didn't Look at it. But I encourage you, if you've never read it, to go back and read it because Paul actually gives another kind of illustration right there in those verses that talks about there's a way that you protect certain parts of the body. There's a way that you have a certain care and concern for certain parts of the body. And that really what leads me to this third one. It's this one. I honor when I'm with others. And what I mean is I honor you When I'm with other people. So it's not just about what I say when you're around. It's what I don't say. Or what I do say when you're not around. It's this heart of protection. Of really protecting and defending the other parts. The other relationships. The other people around me. The people in my home. People at work. Protecting my spouse. Can I tell you something? A commitment I have. You will never hear me badmouth my wife, not at a boy's night, not at a man's night. Those are two different things, but usually the same people. (laughs) (laughs) You'll never hear me badmouth her. And and I'll bring it back to what she said um, last week, actually, when she was teaching. I want my wife to know, I want my spouse to know that her name is safe in my mouth. And that no matter where I'm, I am, if she's not there, it doesn't matter. She's going to be honored, and she's going to be protected. You know, I have that commitment, and I'm, I'm pretty good with that commitment with her. I am convicted about that commitment with my kids. Like, it's, it's easy to make fun of your kids, right, uh, for parents. If you don't have kids, you just wait. It is the best. Um, <laughs> And I, I embrace that, but I, I do fear and I feel like sometimes I haven't honored them. And here's what's at stake for me in that and what kind of challenges me where I think God's asking me to take another step today is, is I don't want it to cost. I don't want jokes and making fun of them and calling. I don't want that to cost our future unity together. My unity with my son, my unity with My daughter but there's a, there's a commitment of protection and it's part of how I honored them. Is that good? Honoring your family, honoring your best friend, honoring, here's my other commitment to Hannah, it's what protection is. If there's something I have with her, I will deal directly with her with it. I, I, I'm not gonna go talk it out with others. It's just between me and her and I'm gonna keep it there. There's a, the other side of that is defending. There's protection, but defending. We've made this commitment. If you know, we have a, a lead team, people here um, who have been uh, just with us. We have a lead team of 24 that help us kind of lead the vision and implement the vision of new community. And we've made this commitment to them that if anyone ever comes to us and starts kind of, has a suspicion about one of you and they're kind of like speaking from assumptions, we will always defend you in those moments. We will always defend who you are the person you are, we will not base our position on hearsay, but we will come to you if there's something that needs to be addressed, or we will come to you with a question, not assuming something. We're just going to defend you in that moment. Can you imagine if that's how the siblings, you and your siblings live that way? Like, hey, if mom says anything, I'm I'm just going to, I'm going to just stand. If dad says anything, I'm just going to defend you in that moment. And then if we need to talk, we'll talk. Could you imagine how that would change at work? If you knew your boss, bosses can speak to you. If your employees knew, my boss is going to defend me even if I'm not in the room. And then if there's something that needs to be addressed, he'll address it with me. You can do that when you recognize that the person you're looking at, the person you're in relationship with, they're worthy of honor. That there's a value And await to them. And now, for every Jesus follower in the room, you are a part of that body. So honor the ones God's arranged around you with prayer. Man, pray. Husbands, every day, pray over your wife. Wife, every day, pray over your husband. Bless them pray over your children, pray over your bosses, new community, what could God do if you began to pray every day over your boss? And you may think, man, it would be great if he changed, but maybe God's waiting to change something in the inside of you. Maybe God's put that person in your life that you butt heads with, that you don't see eye to eye with, that right now is causing you a lot of heartache. Maybe God's arranged that, that, that relationship so that he could do an internal work in Honor them with your prayer. Honor them with your word. Speak it, say it. Can I say something? We're proud of you for coming, but I am very proud, and I just want to say it about our dream team who got here this morning at 7 a.m. when it was 19 degrees and our locks were frozen on the containers, and they they served you, and they said, I don't care that my alarm's wrong. I'm getting up, and I'm going to go serve. Will you put your hands together? Can we honor a dream team who created a home and a space for you to meet with God. Man, what if people just kind of came around you because they knew they weren't going to be depreciated by your words, but they were going to be elevated because you honored them. And they also knew you'd defend them and you protect them and that your their name is safe in your mouth. go back to that passage. God has put his great honor on even the parts we think he's laxing, that that we think uh, don't deserve it, that we think are the least. God's done that so that there would be no division in the body, so that every part would have equal concern for the other. Man, I believe it's just what God always pictured. When he pictured you and when he pictured me, I believe it's what God pictured when he spoke a word and said, I want a brand new church to be born in this community. I believe he was saying, man, if they would live with unity, what could I do? If they would live with unity and if they would honor one another, man, what could it change? What could it produce in this community? God, would you let it be so in us? Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey with Jesus. Yeah, and we'd love to connect with you further. And the best way to do that is at our website, thenewcommunity.church, where you can connect to our small groups, find other resources, and even give to the work God's doing through New Community.